What's up? Man, they stinking killed that song this morning. Did y'all like that? Dude, I'm telling you, Bob and Drake kill it every time, but we always say Bob and the band. But man, the band composed of Bubba. We got Andrew. They're not up here, but I'm just pointing at where they would be. All right, Daniel and Corey absolutely killed it. They need credit too. Give it up for them. Let me get locked in here. I don't know what I did to my computer here. Sorry, guys. But I hope y'all enjoyed this because it might go downhill from there. It might go downhill because I feel like I've got a message that God's been dealing with me about for a while. And usually when I give a message to y'all, it's because he's been kicking my butt about it for a while. So he's been dealing with me for this for some time. And the name of this message is your opinion doesn't matter. It's good. See y'all later. Good night. Your opinion doesn't matter. Now, I started, I watched this documentary, and anybody in my close circle of friends knows I am a true crime junkie. I love it. Don't ask why. Don't, don't try to come for, from some psychological reason why somebody like me would like true crime things. All right? I want to hear it. But I love true crime. But I watched this documentary, and um, basically, I'm just going to give you the gist of it. It's about a guy that was wrongly convicted of murder, and the prosecutor withheld evidence for like 30 years. And when it was found out, he was set free. And it got me thinking, you know, a lot of times that's what we do. We want to hold on to our beliefs, even if the facts are contrary to what we believe, and hold on to them so much that we could run somebody else. We could run relationships around us. See, all of us have our opinions. And some of, our, some of us are extremely passionate about those opinions. I know you. You are extremely passionate. I'm a Tennessee fan. I'm extremely passionate. When I say Tennessee's the best team in the world, y'all know that's not true. <laughs> but I love them. See, what I found is most of the time, when we have, we have an, a subjective or absolute truth, and then we have a subjective opinion about those truths. When we argue, most of the time we're arguing about our opinions, not the truth. Right? When we argue, we're arguing about our opinions. See, that song says something. I didn't just have them play it because I really like that song, which I do. I like Chris Stapleton. Tiffany's more of a JT kind of guy, but I like Chris Stapleton. But it's talking about a guy that is looking out at the state of the world, and he's saying, man, I really want to say something, but everybody's getting offended over everything. Everybody's getting offended. And when I do say something, I shouldn't have said it, but when I keep quiet, I really want to say something. I just want to talk, but he, but he just sits there, and his conscience gnaws at him. See, I am a very opinionated person, believe it or not. I have some strong opinions, uh, but what has happened over the years is the Holy Spirit has started to guide me in those opinions. I don't just speak to, I know my crowd. I know my close circle of friends that I can talk to about those opinions without somebody raising heck with me, Right? We don't have that anymore. We don't have that thing in our head that says, you shouldn't say this right now. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give us a few truths, and I'm going to, y'all are going to participate a little bit, all right? Truth one, music is great. Can everybody agree that music is great? I think culturally, across, we even identify some cultures with the music, right? But when I say 90s rock and early 2000s rap is the best music out there, do you agree with me? Huh? 
I love Tupac. I love Biggie. I love Soundgarden. That's probably not your cup of tea. Stacy Harris does not have that on his playlist. He doesn't have it on his playlist. I shouldn't. You're right. I shouldn't. Dang it, Stacy. Truth too. Food is good. I know you're looking at me and say, we can tell you think food is good, Casey. You've grown, you've been on this stage for the last few years and we've literally seen you grow. Right? We can all agree food is essential to our survival, right? And you're saying, Casey, are you putting on food, uh, wait for the winter? No, I'm not. Hush. I just really like food. But when I say pizza is the best food on the planet, I could eat pizza five days a week. Tiffany will bear with me and eat pizza like once every two weeks, and she hates it. But I believe, and I could say, you might think Chinese is the best food in the world. See, every one of these foods I name I really like, so I like every one of them. (laughs) I like all of them. But we vary on our opinions. We know we need food for survival, but what's the best food? Truth three, Jesus was a man. He walked the earth. He died for our sins. He later rose from the dead. And to, he, he rose from the dead so we would no longer be separated from God. Right? Do we believe that? I think everybody here can believe that. Most of us can believe that. But the way this fact is interpreted has led to over 200 denominations in the U.S. alone. 45,000 different denominations globally. That's staggering. Over 45,000 different ways of interpreting that fact. I'm going to have to get a drink of water. I'm going to be like Fire Marshal Bill up here. I'm going to be like, now what's up? See, we all have our opinions. But what I've noticed over the last few years, and this is within the Christian community as well, is the emergence of what I'm going to call a toxic opinion. A toxic opinion. And before I get into what a toxic opinion is, I'm going to give you all a few scriptures. All right, if you want to bring them up. Proverbs 18.2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Say that with me. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Man. Proverbs 18.13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. It seems like Solomon has pinpointed the problem. We like to talk, but we don't like to listen. We like to talk, but we, we don't like to listen. Now, let me give you my definition for what a toxic opinion is. You can bring that up. A toxic opinion is an opinion disguised as a fact that seeks to discount others' experience and different opinions. That's a toxic opinion. Here's some examples. That project is too hard. You should just give up. There is a worldwide shortage of jobs right now. You're never going to find a good job. There's no hope for a better life. You might as well just end it. Vaccinations are good. Everyone should get them or they are un-American and immoral. Vaccinations are bad. Anyone who gets them is un-American and immoral. We got different views. You should not co-sleep with your kids. You will regret this for the rest of your life. This might be true, though, you know. <laughs> well, and it's not. We, do, we did it. It's good most of the time. See, the way these opinions are stated, it leaves no room for anyone else's experience. Therefore, it invites arguments and division. 
It leaves no room for what you might experience. See, now there's some opinions out there that you should definitely say, and they might sound toxic, but you should definitely say them. I have the most amazing, beautiful wife in the world. Now, are you saying that about your wife or mine? I need to know that. No, but if you're married, you should definitely think that about your spouse, even if it's not true. You should definitely think that. Second, my kids are the best kids on the planet. My kids are the worst kids on the planet. I have said this sentence interchangeably within a few seconds. My daughter, Kenley, turned four today. I get to preach on her birthday. So see her, buy her all a present, make her fit. No, just write it out to Tiffany. I'm just joking. But I have said that. I've said, you know, T- Kenley, you are so beautiful. Oh, she's... The way she hugged me, and then three seconds later, I'm trying to cast a demon out of her. Like, the power of Christ compels you! I actually got a video of doing that with Corey. She's like going, rah! I'm like... Watts Bar Community Church is the best church on the planet with the best pastors and the best people that are totally jacked up and dependent on Christ and His grace. I think we can believe that. But where the world and the church has gone mad is this toxic opinion. See, God didn't create us to be robots, and all of us think the same thing. That'd be super boring. But he did not call us to alienate people by airing our own opinions like it's the gospel truth and diminishing someone else's perspective totally. He didn't. See, here's why toxic opinions are problematic. And this is a scaled-down version of the problem. When someone says, it's too hot in here, It's easy to get defensive because the the statement excludes any possibility that your your experience might be different. It does not consider that you might be cold. See, if you ever knew my mother, did anybody know my mom in here? All right, if you ever came to our house, it could be 74 degrees in the house, sweat pouring off of you. And she's like, Casey, it's so cold. She's covered up. What's the thermostat set on? It's set on hell, Mom. It literally says hell on that thermostat. There's flames on the thermostat. It's hot in here, yo. Dang. But too hot is a relative term. It's not a universally accepted fact. Right? See, it might be cute when a child says Brussels sprouts are gross or broccoli's gross, but it's not cute when adults speak in toxic opinions. It's not cute. Expressing an opinion disguises a fact makes it toxic because it diminishes anyone else's perspective. I think we said that. This is how most arguments start. One person tries to impose their opinion on someone else. My typical reaction is to buck back aggressively. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, and this is not mean. This is not relaying my political identity to you, but I am not vaccinated. Do not throw anything at me. But the reason I am not vaccinated is because they want me to get it so bad. I am rebellious in nature, folks. When somebody tells me to do it, I just don't want to do it. And and there's no scientific reason for the why, why I'm like this. It's not because I'm a Democrat or Republican. I'm just rebellious. You got that? Now, th- this is what Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, was talking about. He was, what he was talking about in those passages. Now, I'm going to direct most of this towards Christians in the house because I feel like if we can handle the problem internally, we can help the world externally. 
I believe that. So I don't really care if I step on any toes because I truly believe Holy Spirit's been dealing with me about the last few months. And what he's gave me is a word for y'all. For me, like I told you, most of the time it's because he's been kicking my butt about something. See, it's okay to be passionate. In fact, passionate people are what makes the world go round. Would y'all agree with that? They get things done. We have, we have people here that are passionate about their health, their fitness, finances, politics, and avoiding GMOs, whatever that is. I don't know. But their opinions vary wildly. Pastor Ben and Amanda, they're back there in the back. They're me, two of me and Tiffany's closest friends. Love them. Give it up for them anyway. I love them. They are, he's saying, come on, that wasn't enough. Now, they're super health conscious, if you know them. Amanda makes her own broth, bread, and elderberry. I don't know if it's whipping it up in a cauldron somewhere. I didn't even know what elderberry was. I thought it was something from Lord of the Rings. That's not, apparently. I didn't. That's not. Ben is super into fitness, right? He's into fitness. He's got a regimen. He works out every day. See, if I wore the same clothes Ben did, and I wore them as tight as he did, I would look like a can of busted biscuits up here. what it is but the thing about their opinions and my lifestyle is they've never admonished me for believing different than they are they've never said casey uh, casey you shouldn't do this casey this is the only way to do it now they might have encouraged me in certain areas they might have said casey you might need to try this but they've never made me feel bad or stupid for feeding my kids frozen chicken nuggets (laughs) they just hadn't you know why because they're more they're passionate about their lifestyle but they're more passionate about people. And they're not, they don't want to try to convince me that I'm wrong, even if I am. Our next point is up here. When people are more passionate about their opinions than they are about the truth and grace that God has shown us, we are failing. Let's say that again. When people are more passionate about their opinions than they are about the truth and grace that has been shown to us, we are failing. See, the world has a whole lot of problems, folks. But we, the body of Christ, we're supposed to be providing answers, comfort, a better way, not adding to the confusion. We cannot help this world if we cannot even help each other. See, there are several different people that give me their opinions nowadays, and sometimes I share mine. But I believe my opinion's more valuable if it's leveraged by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and founded on God's Word. And that can be in every facet of my life. The way I present my opinion to you should be leveraged by the Holy Spirit and founded on God's Word. When that happens, hopefully people are more open to receiving what I have to say. And if not, they're they're more than welcome to pass on that opinion. But here's the deal. On top of that, I want to be known for my ability to listen more than share my opinion. James 1.22 says this, We should lead with our ears, follow up with our tongue, and let anger follow behind. Like I said before, there's a whole lot of people talking, but not a lot of people listening. That song they sing there at the end, I'm listening. It's about listening to the heart of God. When we're tuned into what God's saying, what we say to other people is going to be way different. Way different. Here's my next point. Sincere opinions invite dialogue. Toxic opinions only care about a monologue. 
Sincere opinions invite dialogue. Toxic opinions only care about a monologue. Now, people generally know when you're speaking from a place of love. And they generally know, and I know when I'm speaking to somebody and it's just my opinion or I'm being guided by the Holy Spirit. But toxic opinions, they invite de- defensiveness and they open the door for arguments. There's a whole lot of arguing going on. Everywhere I look, when I turn on Facebook, every corner I go around, there's arguments. And that's within the body because most of the people I deal with are Christians. See, a toxic opinion, like I said, it, it invites defensiveness. Arrogance and believing one version of reality is the only reality underlies what toxic opinions is and could be the single, single largest creator of arguments. Here's what I wanted to do here today, too. I didn't want to get up here and give you my opinion. I didn't want to say, your opinion doesn't matter, and then just give you my opinion. That's why I'm going to have a lot of scripture to back up what I say, because it just can't be my opinion or what I'm saying makes no sense. You're like, you're arrogant. No. I'm going to back this up with scripture. You can't argue with scripture. The purpose, the purpose of an opinion is not to prove somebody wrong. I know y'all believe that some of us believe different. I have believed different in the past. It's not to convince somebody of your point of view. The goal is to speak truthfully and accurately about what you believe without discounting somebody else. I know that, that takes some rewiring of the brain to start figuring this out. See, without opinions, we would have no creative dialogue. We would have no problem solving. We would be empty shells, and we would have little or nothing to say. So opinions are good. Instead of creating defensive no, a sincere opinion invites a dialogue because you take responsibility for what you're saying. You say things like, I think, I believe, I propose, I suggest. When you speak this way, it encourages other people to follow suit. You've done your part. In his book, Think Again, organizational psychologist Adam Grant says this, we can't be afraid to be influenced by actual data informing ideas versus what we thought was the case or what we feel is the case or what we would rather be the case in any given scenario. When it comes to our knowledge and opinions, we often favor feeling right over being right. We favor the comfort of conviction over the discomfort of doubt. Ooh, man. People have their views and, and, and they believe and promote data and facts that support those views and ignore contrary data. It's true of all of us. Anybody know that? Anybody believe that? Like we'll get an idea formulated in our head and we'll look it up on YouTube. And YouTube has psychologists too. They plug you in that algorithm and everything you pull up is going to support that actual view. It's just the way it is. They understand psychology too. See, Pastor Kelly, uh, who was here when Pastor Kelly gave the message, The War on Truth, a few months back? A pretty good crowd. Wow, we have a different crowd then. It's good. But the other side of an opinion is what? If I'm not speaking an opinion, I'm speaking the truth. See, we have opinions out the wazoo. We do. We got opinions, but knowing the truth and let the Holy Spirit lead us is the crux of what I want to talk about today. We live in a time where the toxic opinion rules, and we as a country and a church are divided as ever. We get offended over everything. Everything. We live in a world where statements like, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, says more about you than I'm a Christian. I think this grieves the heart of God, man. Because what you're doing is dismissing and disqualifying Jesus' grace and his sacrifice for you on the cross. 
It breaks my heart. See, we lack empathy and grace for other creations, for his other creations. I know you've heard Pastor Kelly say this. You don't lock eyes with somebody that doesn't matter to the heart of God. Is that a cliche? Or is that something we believe as Christians? Just because you don't believe like I do. When I lock eyes with you, I'm spo- you're supposed to matter to me because you matter to God. You matter to God. See, we Christians are supposed to be the ones leading the charge to this broken world. Not because we have it all together, but because we've experienced Jesus and he's radically changed our lives. When I'm speaking to you, I mean, you should have known me years ago. And I can get up here and you might, after you've been here a while, you might say, Casey, I've heard this a million times. So you're going to hear it a million more if you keep on hanging around. Because I am so thankful for what my Jesus has done for me. He has radically changed my mindset. And I know there's some people here that he's radically changed you too. Radically. Yeah, amen. Amen. See, Pastor Kelly has said this numerous times. Said it a lot here lately. But we're living in the, we're seeing the greatest identity crisis this world has ever seen. Y'all believe that? There are no absolutes whatsoever. No absolutes. Moral relativism is running rampant, and its little cousin subjectivism is right there in the mix. And if you don't know what that is, I know y'all are smart. I had to look it up. All right. Moral relativism is the idea there is no universal or absolute set of moral principles. It is a version of morality that advocates to each your own, and those who follow it say, who am I to judge? People who adhere to this would say, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. Then there's subjectivism. Now, here's the definition of that train of thought. Subjectivism teaches that there are no objective moral truths out there. There are no objective moral facts. Therefore, murder can't be wrong, can't be, it can't be objectively true. Or like John Steinbeck said in Grapes of Wrath, there ain't no sin, there ain't no virtue, there's just stuff people do. But if the world believes that so much and we want to create our own set of morals or dismiss them totally, then why is everybody so stinking mad? Why is everybody offended? We're doing what we want to. We've created our own standard and people still seem to tick us off. We want, we want to create our own individual reality, but we get mad when somebody creates theirs as well. Or we don't have convictions at all. We don't have strong convictions. We just have fell into what I call uh, outrage syndrome. They just want to be mad. They don't have real strong convictions or opinions, but somebody else does, so I'm going to jump on the bandwagon. Y'all seen that happen? I have no idea why I'm mad. I just want to be mad. Let me be mad. That You've heard of herd immunity. I think that's like a herd mentality. People just want, have, want to have something to be mad at. See, Paul addresses all this, why the world is so mad. When I talk about this in Romans 12, 14, 15. Bring it up there, Chloe. When outsiders who have never heard of God's law fall it more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no and right and wrong. Now, I believe this is why the world is so miserable. 
We have wanted to make our own set of standards, morals, and all this. But God has stamped that on our hearts from the beginning. So when you, when you press up against that, when you rebel against it, the immediate reaction is to feel some kind of way, to feel frustrated because you're going against God's plan. It's what he's encoded in your DNA. But this philosophy of moral relativism and subjectivism has even crept its way into Christianity. You're saying, Casey, what do you mean? I know it's wrong to kill somebody. I might want to kill somebody, but I know it's wrong. Well, what about you disregarding what the Bible says about sexual immorality? Those aren't gray area, folks. He's like, well, he's just talking about same-sex people. No, I'm not. I'm talking about anything that's outside of the sanctity of marriage. Oh, well, Casey, we're going to get married. I don't care. What if you don't? You each take a piece with you when you go. That's the way it is. Well, what about this? Disrespecting those in authority. Now, I used to be right on the bandwagon, would forget the police. But, I mean, I'm different now. What about disrespecting those in authority? The Bible is super clear on this, too. Imagine that. Now, Matthew twenty two fifteen 15 through 21 says this. And I'm just going to read it. Chloe will catch you up. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along the way, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus was aware of their malice and said this, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesars the things that are Caesars and to God the things that are God. I know you're saying, Casey, that's talking about money. No, it's talking about honor and respect given to those in authority, even if we don't agree with them. I know you're thinking, but it's my mission. I don't agree with those in office right now. You don't have to. I have to believe a God that can set the world on its axis, or its axis and do everything like that and put so much thought into everything else has somebody that's in charge under control. Do y'all believe that? See, we, we Christians can be guilty of not being guided by the Spirit when it comes to our own opinions. See, no wonder there's so much division Confusion and suffering in this world. We want our Jesus and we want it our way too. There's an amazing passage of scripture. And Chloe, you can go ahead and pull this up. It's so amazing to me. And I liked it even before I was a Christian because I thought it was so hardcore. It wasn't the typical Jesus that you're used to seeing with a little lamb around his shoulders. So docile and all that. It's not that typical Jesus. In Luke 12, 49 through 53, he says this. I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. I think that that sounds absolutely gangsta. 
It's like, I came to bring fire on this earth. Jesus sounds cold-blooded when he's talking right there, but he's not. Here's what he's doing. He's addressing this from the viewpoint of a general that's looking out into the future and seeing what the state of our world's going to be when he reveals his message and his truth. When he reveals what he's got, his message for us, his truth. See, in a world of no absolutes, Jesus knows this. Real truth divides absolutely. His truth divides absolutely. And you're saying, why is that, Casey? Because real truth makes you make a choice. It makes you make a decision. There's no gray area when it comes to the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no room for you to air a toxic opinion or, or not have any beliefs at all. There's no room to stay in ambiguous in one way of, of area of your life. There's no way. One of my favorite writers, Ralph Waldo Emerson, said this. Chloe, help me out. Let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of dreaming that I am persecuted whenever I am contradicted. I'm going to say that again because that's good. Let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of dreaming that I'm persecuted whenever I'm contradicted. And I think that sums it up beautifully. Our automatic response when somebody believes differently is to believe we're being persecuted. And that's the state of the world right now. Somebody believes different than we do... uh, they're, they're persecuting me. No, they believe something different than you. See, we fell into the trap of airing our own toxic opinions, getting offended when somebody else gives us, gives us theirs, while all the while not having in, any firm footing on the character of Jesus Christ and its transformational properties, what God has done in our lives. See, Jesus' truth divides because we mistake being persecuted for being contradicted. The world needs a Christian who is in the world, not of this world. Can I get an amen? Amen. See, I had y'all laughing at the first of this, and you're like, dang, I know. Daggum. There's a story, guys, that I I found a long time ago, and I I think this speaks to what I'm talking about. A A philosophy professor walks in to give his class their final. Placing his chair on his desk, the professor instructs the class, Using every applicable thing you've learned in this course, prove to me that this chair does not exist. So pencils are writing and erasers are racing. Students are prepared to embark on writing whole novels to prove that this chair doesn't exist, except for one student. He spends 20 or 30 seconds writing his answer, then turns his final, uh, final end to the astonishment of his peers. Time goes by, and the day comes when all the students get their final grades. And to the amazement of the class, the student who wrote for 20 seconds got the highest grade in the class. His answer to the question, prove this chair doesn't exist, what chair? (laughs) What chair? See, I first seen this as a funny little philosophy story on objective reality. But when I was thinking about this message, it hit me a little different. It hit me a little different. See, it's easy for us, whether it's our schooling, family, environment, or cinema, or religion, literature, whatever, our leaders, they have all basically hardcore trained our minds to be reactionary. We get engaged in the key word, we get caught up in all the minor details, and we get diverted from seeing the truth. It was a simple question, prove it don't exist. What chair? The truth is so easy. It's right there. It's so easy to see. In this world, it is getting very ugly, y'all. It's getting very ugly. 
But we have missed the simplicity of what truth is. Now you're saying, Casey, I thought you said in Luke, Jesus said, I come to divide. He did. But what he was saying, he was prophesying about the future. He knew what we were going to be like. He knew it. He knew if the enemy got to the innate moral character of us, he could create confusion, division, and distraction. He knew when we care more about our opinions than the truth of his gospel, it would be hard for us to overcome anything. But our story can be about hope. Our story can be about peace. The peace that's only found in the truth of his name, the truth of his word and his gospel. See, James speaks about the peace of Holy Spirit and the confusion of, his, of this world. James three thirteen through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. And here's where you really need to key in. 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. See, what Jesus did is he showed us the problem in Luke 12, and then he spoke to his brother James and revealed an answer. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And wow, guys, that's the way I want to live my, my everyday life when I talk to people. See, there's a, we have this thing going on in church where it's either all grace, you got to love, 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 or it's all truth, it's all this. But man, those need to marry, and then it's going to be beautiful. You can't have the truth and the grace, and you can't have one without the other. You just can't. You can't have it. See, guys, I don't want to discount your experience, but your opinion doesn't matter in the light of the truth and grace of God. It doesn't matter. I'm going to close, so I need Bubba or Bobby or somebody to come up here. But Scott Saul writes about this in his book, Jesus Outside the Lines. He says this, Tolerance isn't about not having beliefs. It's about how your beliefs lead you to treat people who disagree with you. This is where biblical Christianity is unparalleled in its beauty and distinctiveness. I'm not talking about distorted belief systems that pretend to be Christ Christianity yet or not. I'm talking about the true, pure, undefiled, unfiltered, and altogether biblical and beautiful system of belief. The one that leads people to trust God and have hope for humanity. To visit orphan and widows in their afflictions. To love neighbors who are near and who are in need. And to extend kindness to enemies. Are we known for what we are for instead of what we're against? Are we less concerned about defending your rights? You know Jesus gave up his rights. Do we want to join Jesus in his mission of loving people, places, and things back to life? There's a quote, and I'm not sure who said it, but Jesus didn't come and die to make good things bad. He came to make dead things live. 
He come to make dead things live. I know whenever I think back about my life, I think there's no way I wanted something new. I wanted to be alive again. I was a dead person walking around for a really, 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 really long time. A really long time. See, guys, here's, this kind of sums it all up, this thought. When the grace of Jesus sinks in, we will be among the least offended and most loving people in the world. When the grace of Jesus sinks in, when what he's done for your life, that's why it's so hard for me. I'm so open-minded now, and I don't mean I buck against what the Bible says because I believe it totally. But when I, I am so cognizant of what Jesus has done in my life. He's totally turned it around. There's some people in this church that he's totally changed your life. Right there. Jesse, I've known you for a few years now, man. He's totally wrecked your world. And that's the way Jesus should be. We shouldn't be on the fence. There should be no gray areas. Not not whatsoever. See, here's a, and the team can come up also. And you can bring the lights down. See, this Wednesday, I got to see a beautiful thing this past Wednesday. Um, if you don't know, Stacy Harris, it's Pastor Ben's dad right here. This good-looking, rugged man right here on the third row. But this Wednesday, he spoke, uh, spoke to her class. And he had something prepared, and then he asked us all a question. What's the worst lie that's ever been told to you? And I answered the lie that I told myself, that I could do it on my own, that I could get sober on my own, that I could do all this. He's like, Casey, I wish you wouldn't answer. You done screwed this whole talk up. He said, because those are the things, the lies we tell ourselves or the lies we believe about other people's opinions about us. See, months back, a while back, Stacy Harris hated my guts. He hated me for reasons that he should. He thought I was never going to change. Because if you knew me in any proximity before I got saved and when I was, went to prison, I had stole, cheated, or lied to you. So Stacy, when he hears that I've changed and stuff, he's saying, no, he's a junkie. He's always going to be like that. He's been nothing different. He stole, robbed from his family and everybody else his whole life. He's not going to change. And he had facts to support that. I had never changed. But what we discovered Wednesday is when you line yourself up with the truth, even though there's some facts in your life that might be right, Jesus can change those facts about you. Jesus can change those facts about you. I don't care what anybody thinks about me anymore because Jesus changed the facts that supported that hypothesis a long time ago. There's a line in a rap song I like a lot by NF. He said, if you're looking for the, for the old maid, check the morgue. Dude's dead. Dude's dead. And what's beautiful about that is Stacy, man, he has a calling on his life. And he had been lied to and lied to himself and uh, listened to other people's opinions. And then Wednesday, he got to share a message that totally wrecked me. He's walking in the calling. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to give you his opinion. The world wants to give you their opinion and deter you from what Jesus wants for your life. It's so awesome that the truth of Jesus makes the facts that the world throws at us so obsolete. 
so obsolete. See, my wife could have thought for a long time that from the way she was raised, she was abused, horrible family, and she could have believed what everybody t- said about her, that she was going to be nuts. She was just going to be just like that. But she chose to change the facts with Jesus' truth. There's some people in here that need to change the facts by aligning yourself with the gospel of the word. Because when we do that, when we get totally, when we're cognizant about the grace that's been shown to us, we can go out in this world and try to change it. Until then, guys, we're going to see arguments. We're going to see division. We're going to see all these different things out in the world until we're totally lined up in the truth of what God has to say to us. I'm going to give you four quick bullets, and then we're going to close. And they're going to sing this song. But the first one is be humble. Philippians 2, 3 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value, value others above yourselves. Number two, be gentle. You know what gentleness is? It's power under control. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says this. I am humble and gentle at heart. Number three, be patient. Love is patient. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And here's my fourth one. Pursue and protect unity. Pursue and protect unity. You don't have to create it, but you do have to take responsibility for keeping it. Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And what I want through this talk that we had is for us to start not agreeing with everybody else. I know that I'm not going to give this message and you are going to sing Kumbaya and have parties together and everybody's on each other's friend list and all this. But I do want you to start taking other people's experiences into account. I do want you to start understanding some. See, we do a lot, a lot of talking, but we don't do a lot of listening. I want to be known for how I listen to a friend or listen to somebody else. That's what I want to be known for. I can have some really strong opinions, but I found that people are more receptive to me when I listen with an ear that's guided by God's Spirit. And that's what I want for this church. And that's what I want for this world. And I think it starts right here with you. I think that. I know that. There's some people here, when I look out at this congregation, that God has radically changed your life. I just want to say this to Aaron Daggett, man. The Holy Spirit's got plans for you. And it's not just doing the nine to five thing with Cook's Pest Control or anything else. You've got a calling on your life. You need to stop listening to the opinions of everybody else and yourself and start experiencing the goodness of God and step out. You were meant for that more, bro. I love you. Y'all want to stand to your feet. I'm going to give two altar calls. The first one is just going to take you raising your hand.
If you'd say, Casey, you know what? I've been guilty, and I think we all are if we're humans. I've been guilty of not really listening to somebody else by talking more than I listen. I've been part of the problem, not part of the solution. I want God to guide me when I talk to people. I want God to influence my relationships of the people around me, even if we're not friends. I want people to say, he's a Christian. I shouldn't have to tell anybody I'm a Christian. They should know it without me saying anything. Do you believe that? If you'd say, Casey, I just want God to use me. I want him to influence my opinions. I want him to influence my dialogue with the human race. I want him to use me. And I'd like you to raise your hand real quick. Amen. I want to pray for y'all real quick. God, I just thank you for this house. I thank you for this house of believers, God. I thank you that you're working, your Holy Spirit is working, that you want to bring unity back to the house. You want to bring unity back to this world. And it starts with us getting really real and having a conversation. See, God, we've been talking for a long time, but this song says, I'll listen. I want to listen to your heart. I want you to convey what your heart is to us so we can relay it to other people. And I just ask you to touch the people that raise their hands, even the people that don't, so we can start to experience the unity that you envision. I just thank you for that in Jesus' name. The second altar call, if we have any prayer team, I'd like you to come up here. Matt Sadler, if you don't care, am I out? You and, you and Pansy, if y'all don't care to come help us pray. Hello. That's hot. The second is, you've been like me and you've been like Stacy. You've listened to what the world said and said about you for so long. You've listened to the opinion of others. And it started to taint how you view yourself. And it could be in anything, you know. Mine was obviously... I lived a wild life, but it could be, I don't value myself. I don't value, my parents didn't value me. My friends didn't value me. The opinions of everybody else hasn't lined up with what you're talking about. But I want to line myself up with your truth. If you would raise your hand. We want, we want somebody to pray with you this morning. You'll be really honest, thank you. If you'd say, Casey... You know, I, I, I am done th- caring about, about what everybody else is saying. I am done caring about it. I want to align myself with what your truth and your word says. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. Raise your hand. All right. Well, they're going to sing this song, I'm listening. And what I challenge you to do is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you need to pray about anything, they're down here waiting for you.